This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where the special session on gambling is underway. You know, it's almost like lawmakers never left town. The clerk will unlock the machine and members will record their presence. The clerk will lock the machine and announce the presence of a quorum. 104 members voting. A quorum is present, Mr. Speaker. Uh, looking out out here, it feels like we were just together a couple of weeks ago. Welcome back. Welcome back. The session began with a major concession as the House Speaker announced a controversial provision that could have turned your smartphone into an online casino has been removed from the proposed compact with the Seminole Tribe. I am holding in my hand an addendum to the Seminole Compact signed today by the Seminole Tribe of Florida and our governor, Ron DeSantis, which deletes from the compact any and all references to a conversation on statewide online casino gaming in the state of Florida. Some lawmakers are still dead set against expansion of gambling, but an attorney for the Seminole Tribe says Florida can't afford to pass up this deal. The total value of this compact over the next 30 years is in excess of $20 billion to the state of Florida. And we're certainly hopeful that you will ratify this agreement. The compact passed the Senate Appropriations Committee by a vote of 18 to 1. It goes to the Senate floor today, to the House floor tomorrow. Lawmakers are trying to get out of town by Wednesday. The former tax collector of Seminole County pleads guilty in a federal sex trafficking investigation and promises to cooperate with the feds as that investigation continues. North Florida Congressman Matt Gates was not mentioned by name, but there was an airplane circling over the courthouse towing a banner that read, TikTok, Matt Gates." If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. Orlando Congressman Darren Soto is leading the charge for a bill allowing the government to negotiate Medicare drug prices with Big Pharma. And a lot of my colleagues across the aisle will say they're for Medicare being able to negotiate, but they find every reason to vote against this bill. Well, it's time to put up or, or sit down. We'll also have your calendar of events and the story of a Florida man who lost his job as a deputy for sending inappropriate text messages to two women he met on the job. Today is Tuesday, May 18th. It's National Cheese Souffle Day, National HIV Awareness Day, and National No Dirty Dishes Day. On this date in 1897, Bram Stoker's novel Dracula was published in London. In 1969, Apollo 10 launched from the Kennedy Space Center and later transmitted the very first color pictures of Earth from space. In 1990, Mount St. Helens erupted in Washington state, causing the largest landslide in history, killing 57 people, costing a billion dollars in damage. And one year ago, today, Donald Trump confirmed he was taking hydroxychloroquine. Current research suggests the drug is not safe or effective for treating patients with COVID-19. The state health department reported almost 2,000 new cases of COVID Monday. That's the lowest daily total in five weeks. There were also 59 additional fatalities. Our death toll has reached 36,857. Almost 7,600,000 Floridians are now fully vaccinated. Almost 700,000 are waiting for their second shot. It's day two of the special session on gambling, and the Senate meets at 10 to begin debate on the new gaming compact with the Seminole Tribe. There's already been one major change. House Speaker Chris Sproul started the session by informing lawmakers the tribe had agreed to remove one section of the compact that would have required the state to enter into good-faith negotiations to allow the Seminoles to offer casino games online, basically turning your phone into a mobile casino. Like many of you members, I've been going through my own process of evaluating the compact over the last couple weeks when it earned Governor DeSantis' signature. Looking at the issues and having conversations with the governor, our outside experts, and with many of you. 
During the course of that work, I developed concerns over the section of the compact that called for a 36-month conversation between the state and the tribe for full statewide online gaming. While the governor and the Seminole tribe agreed to language to retain the sovereignty of the state, I continued to have concerns. From my conversation, I also realized that many of you shared those same concerns. Consequently to that, members, myself, Chairman Renner, Chairman Fine, and I have engaged directly with the Seminole Tribe on this issue. I'm pleased to report that I am holding in my hand an addendum to the Seminole Compact signed today by the Seminole Tribe of Florida and our governor, Ron DeSantis, which deletes from the compact any and all references to a conversation on statewide online casino gaming in the state of Florida. I wanna thank Chairman Osceola and the Seminole Tribe of Florida for their willingness to engage and listen to this House's concerns. And I wanna thank Governor Ron DeSantis, Senate President Wilton Simpsons for their support of this conversation. Thanks to all of them and Chairman Renner and Chairman Fine, and of course our bill sponsors, Chairman Payne and Garrison, the House will be considering the ratification of a Seminole Compact that contains no conversation or pathway for statewide online casino gaming in Florida. Once that change was made, Senator Travis Hudson brought his revised bill to the Appropriations Committee Monday, where it faced its first test. The bill ratifies the 2021 gaming compact between the Seminole Tribe of Florida and the state of Florida, executed by the governor, uh, by Governor DeSantis and Chairman Osceola on April 23rd, 2021. If approved by the legislature, Governor DeSantis and the Department of Interior, it will replace the 2010 gaming compact. If approved, the Gaming Compact authorizes new games for the Seminole Tribe to include craps and roulette and sports betting with marketing agreements with the legacy paramutual permit holders that operate card rooms. Games authorized in the 2010 Gaming Compact will continue. If approved, the revenue sharing payments from the tribe to the state will, resu will resume with a new five-year guarantee minimum payment of $2.5 billion. It permits poker games played in a designated player manner as identified in card room licenses or license applications approved by the Division of Paramutual Wagering on or before April 1st, 2021. John Sawinski with No Casinos opposes the bill. He says a good compact limits gambling. This does the exact opposite. Sawinski also claims it's illegal because it violates Amendment 3 in the state constitution that says any expansion of casino gambling has to be approved by Florida voters. Uh, no Casinos is opposed to the expansion of gambling in Florida, and this compact represents what would likely be the largest expansion of gambling in our state's history. We have some concerns that it violates Amendment 3. Uh, Amendment 3 says some very simple language. It says that voters shall have the ultimate authority as to whether or not to approve casino gambling in the state. And much of what is contemplated in this compact is casino gambling that falls under that definition. The compact relies on us buying the idea that if you are standing anywhere in Florida with your mobile phone in your hand and placing a wager, that you are placing a wager on tribal lands. There is both a Supreme Court decision and a later Ninth Circuit decision in California that came after this that says that online gambling offered with, with, with servers on tribal land is not permissible under IGRA. But we come back to the more basic question of what did Florida's voter intend when they looked at this and said, and we live in a state 
that has elected a president of the United States by 537 votes and routinely elects statewide office holders by ones of thousands of votes. This won by a margin of three and a half million votes. And there are many, many complexities about gambling law, but this is a simple policy that, uh, that is put forward. The other major concern we have, and back in 2010, there were a lot of people opposed to the expansion of gambling who actually supported that compact because it closed doors to the spread of gambling. It was seen as a firewall against the proliferation of gambling in the state beyond tribal lands. This compact opens doors. It is a huge proliferation of gambling. When it was announced, it was described as the most expansive gaming compact in the history of America. I don't think that's what the people of Florida wanted when two years ago they went to the polls and said, we want to lock the door and hold the key. We have long supported the idea of a compact to close doors through exclusivity. We just think that this opens doors and finds attempts to find creative ways around really what the intent of voters was, which was to lock the door and hold the key themselves. But Jim Allen, who represents the Seminole tribe, says Florida really cannot afford not to approve the new compact. By not voting for the compact, the state is walking away from a minimum of $4 billion between now and 2030. So that alone, that resuming of revenue share for the state, hopefully will generate the understanding that the tribe is serious about this relationship. And candidly, if it does not succeed in court, it is taking the risk, not the state. There is over $7 billion a year currently being wagered in sports betting from the state of Florida. So it's happening anyway. And it's not regulated. And most of these transactions, candidly, are happening with offshore companies. And God knows there is zero regulation from the state of Florida and certainly none from the tribe. So while we have something that is already occurring, we now have the ability through this compact to restrict it to the tribe's servers. We have marketing agreements that truly enhance the relationship between the tribe and the paramutuals, we feel that is something that's very important to move forward. And in my 20 years working for the tribe, the one conversation that has always come up in regards to the state of Florida and its family-friendly image, this is the one document that helps solidify that. It is, to me, amazing the relationship that the tribe and the state have had in the past and we believe ratification and approval of this compact takes us to the next step going forward. The total value of this compact over the next 30 years is in excess of $20 billion to the state of Florida. And we're certainly hopeful that you will ratify this agreement. That may sound like a lot of money, but keep one thing in mind. Under the original gaming compact, the tribe paid the state $350 million per year. Under the new compact, they get control of sports betting, three new casinos, craps, roulette, and only pay $150 million more. Representative Evan Jenny of Broward County says a lot of lawmakers are wondering if that's enough, given everything the tribe makes on the 30-year deal. That's one that really is going to have to be answered. Um, I think that people are asking that question quite a bit. I know I've had contact with more than a handful of members who that is their sticking point right now as to why they don't plan on voting for the compact as it stands, both Republican and Democrat.
Um, you know, that is kind of it. I know there's been some comparisons to other state compacts, uh, especially when it comes to sports betting. Um, and that is that's a hurdle that's going to need to be cleared. Um, you know, it is it is a lot. Uh, but I would remind you, if we don't sign the compact, we get nothing. Um, that $350 million a year, that stopped coming in quite a, a few years ago now at this point. Um, so, but that is a question I think needs to be posed to the governor uh, in terms of that, because I know that we have members questioning uh, the fairness of that and uh, uh, the quality of the deal uh, that our taxpayers are getting. The bill implementing the compact passed the Senate Appropriations Committee by a vote of 18 to 1 and is headed for the floor. The House plans to vote tomorrow and then put an end to the special session. We'll see how that goes. One side note for the legislature, both chambers took time at the start of the session to express support for Israel in the deadly clash with Hamas. House Speaker Chris Sproul called for a moment of silence. As the last few weeks, many of us have been glued to our televisions, watching what has taken place with our friends in the nation of Israel. And although the nation of Israel has continued to demonstrate a willingness to make peace, and I'm sure you are all aware, the violence in Israel and the Gaza Strip has continued as of this morning. Earlier today, I, con I communicated to the Consul General of Israel in Miami my support for the Israeli people and condemnation of the acts of terror against our Jewish brothers and sisters. Those of you who served in this house for a number of years know that historically we've expressed its, our support for, for Israel. In recent years, this house has taken numerous actions to express our solidarity with the people of Israel from supporting the recognition of Jerusalem as the undivided capital of the state of Israel to passing laws that define and protect against anti-Semitism in our state. Members, I'm gonna ask that you, you stand and that you join me in a moment of silence to stand against terror and for peace. Let us share a moment of silence for all the innocent lives that have been lost and in hopes that peace will prevail in Israel. Senator Ray Rodriguez says Israel is our staunchest ally and they need to know the people of Florida are on their side. What we've seen in the Middle East has been an escalation of violence to the point that we're at all-out war. And we've seen hundreds of people die, including dozens of children on both sides. I think the total was up to 60 children. And it's just tragic. And so I stand here today on behalf of Israel, for Israel, and recognize that Israel is the greatest ally of the United States in the Middle East, I point out that Hamas, in the very charter of the organization, calls for the destruction of the state of Israel, the nation of Israel. It's not a peaceful organization. And I stand and recognize that the military operations being conducted by Israel are done in an effort to defend its citizens. Its moral cause is right. They have a moral duty to protect their citizens and recognize that Hundreds of Israeli citizens and Palestinian citizens have been tragically killed. And so what I would say to Israel, is if you're watching, people of Florida stand with you. People of Florida are committed to your right to self-defense. And we support any assistance that the United States can give to you to defend yourself. And what our urge would be to all the Arab nations would be to declare your opposition to terrorism and to attacks on civilians, and for everyone in the region to embrace a lasting peace. 
And Senator Lori Berman says Hamas is guilty of war crimes, lots of them. To send one unguided missile into a civilian area is a war crime. To fire 3,000 rockets is 3,000 war crimes. To use civilians as a shield to fire rockets is also a war crime. And to use children is especially egregious. We must be clear that Israel has a right to protect itself from war crimes. Imagine if 3,000 rockets were being indiscriminately fired on Florida's towns and counties. Our reaction would be swift and huge. There would be no cry of disproportionality, nor should there be in Israel. There should be moral clarity. Israel is a democracy who believes in equality for all its citizens, including Arab Israelis. Hamas is a terrorist organization whose stated goal is the destruction of the state of Israel. I mourn each and every individual who has died in the events occurring as we speak. I pray for peace in the Middle East and hope for a quick, quick ceasefire. But I want to be clear. I will always support Israel's right to defend itself and Israel's right to exist. Members, please join me in a moment of silence for all those who have perished in this fighting. We get it, guys. The Jewish vote matters, especially in Florida. But let's not pretend this is proportional. As I write this, a total of 10 Israelis have been killed by Hamas, including one child. 200 Palestinians have been killed by Israeli airstrikes, including at least 58 children and 34 women. Former Seminole County tax collector Joel Greenberg pleaded guilty in federal court Monday to six criminal charges, including having sex with a minor. In the plea agreement, Greenberg promised to cooperate with authorities investigating other crimes of which he might have knowledge, including the sex trafficking of a 17-year-old girl. No one involved in the hearing mentioned him by name, but North Florida Congressman Matt Gates has been implicated, and a plane circled over the Orlando courthouse towing a banner that read, TikTok, Matt Gates. The congressman is a one-time friend of the former tax collector and has denied any wrongdoing. A Florida congressman is leading the drive to try to rein in the price of prescription drugs. Representative Darren Soto of Orlando is a co-sponsor of HR3. It's called the Lower Drug Cost Now Act. It allows negotiation of drug prices in Medicare and extends those prices to people with private insurance. We already had our first hearing in the Health Subcommittee of the Energy and Commerce Committee for HR3. I'm a co-sponsor again. Uh, the biggest thing it does is it gives Medicare the power to negotiate directly with the drug companies. This is what the VA health system and Medicaid already does. This is what normally those of us who believe in the free market urge to happen, to get the best prices for our seniors. Uh, and a lot of my colleagues across the aisle will say they're for Medicare being able to negotiate, but they find every reason to vote against this bill. They don't like this. They don't like that. Oh, but they're for Medicare negotiating. Well, it's time to put up. Or, or sit down. And, uh, and this is finally to make um, Medicare have this, uh, uh, the chance to lower drug prices. <clears throat> it also allows for those lower drug prices to be available for Americans with private insurance. So it's much bigger. While negotiating for Medicare would already be a huge thing, the fact that it applies to all private insurance means that every American with private insurance can enjoy the lower drug prices. Uh, and it allows us to stop getting ripped off compared to other countries. Um, we pay by far the most in the world. Um, 
we have a lot of innovation here and that's a good thing. Um, but that doesn't mean we should have your average American and Medicare get ripped off by limiting the maximum price for a negotiated drug to the average prices in countries uh, other than ours. Uh, another key part is it creates a $2,000 out-of-pocket limit on prescription drug costs for Medicare beneficiaries. This is key. So many of my constituents, seniors who are drawing uh, Social Security, maybe drawing a small pension, uh, they run out of money by the end of the month. So they have to cut their medications in half, in quarters, waiting for that Social Security check to come in next month. This is very dangerous. This puts seniors at risk health-wise. I've talked to a lot of pharmacists and doctors about it. It is uh, a travesty that seniors uh, end up having too many out-of-pocket expenses. So that cap is going to be really important. Uh, and it also reinvests in innovation for new cures and treatment. Soto was speaking on Monday, the day our taxes were due. Margarita George with Healthcare for America says that's appropriate because the big drug companies are making huge profits and are not paying their fair share of taxes. The prescription drug corporations are particularly egregious in terms of their tax avoidance. They get tons of taxpayer money all the way through their business cycle. They get tons of money for research and development. We just saw that with the COVID vaccine, $12 billion to prescription drug corporations to develop that vaccine. We're making very good use of it. But, um, you know, we should not feel like they're doing us many favors because companies are going to make tremendous profit off of that vaccine. Pfizer, just Pfizer, is going to make um, over $20 billion in revenue over uh over this, the course of this year on the COVID vaccine. So they're benefiting from tremendous um, investment, um, you know, almost every single medicine that was approved by the FDA between 2010 and 2019 was created with taxpayer money. They're benefiting from all kinds of tax loopholes and tax breaks. And then keep in mind that over the last few years, especially the drug corporations have gotten huge tax breaks on their profits. And that's because of the Trump tax law that reduced corporate taxes from 35% down to 21%. And this, you know, the prescription drug industry is the most profitable industry in America. Uh, just as those profits keep increasing, they are paying fewer and fewer taxes, while we that go to the pharmacy are paying more and more in terms of our drug prices. We know that we pay three times more for, for brand name drugs than what people in other countries are paying. The U.S. House passed the drug bill in 2019, but it went nowhere in the Senate. Soto is hoping they'll have better luck this time. Your calendar of events, the Senate Democratic Caucus meets at 8.30 to discuss gaming bills that will be heard by the full Senate in a session that begins at 10. The House Select Committee on Gaming meets at 10.30, and the House Rules Committee meets at 5 to set the agenda for Wednesday's floor session. Trustees at Miami-Dade College meet at 8. Trustees at Broward College meet at 9. Trustees of St. Pete College meet at 9. Attorneys for several groups that oppose Florida's new election law limiting vote by mail are holding an online news conference at 10 to discuss a lawsuit challenging SB 90. The Pensacola State College Board of Trustees meets at 1245. Trustees at Northwest Florida State College meet at 1 in Niceville. The Vice President of Costa Rica will speak during Florida International University's Hemispheric Security Conference. That's at 2. Trustees at Santa Fe College meet at 4. The Palm Beach State College Board of Trustees meets at 4. Trustees at North Florida College meet at 5.30 in Madison. The Pasco Hernando State College Board of Trustees meets at 6. And trustees at Chipola College meet at 6.30. 
Finally today, a Florida man loses his law enforcement gig after two investigations revealed he was sending inappropriate text messages to vulnerable women he met on the job. The Pinellas County Sheriff's Office says former Deputy Brian Overton put his own personal wants ahead of the welfare of the people he was sworn to serve and protect when he texted two women to have personal and sometimes sexual conversations. Screenshots of text messages appear to show Overton telling one woman his favorite thing to do when he's not working is wild orgies and that if he could do any job, he would be a male stripper. Now that he's no longer a deputy, Florida man is free to pursue his dream job. That's it for today's episode of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. 